Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I am super excited for this conversation. My guest today is Dennis Volpe. Dennis is a really interesting guy. I met him through a mutual connection with another previous guest of the show, and he's an executive performance and transition coach, and transition being helping veterans transition into the workforce, especially into uh, executive and leadership roles. He's an author of Transition on Purpose, as well as a leadership consultant and a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Now, what's really interesting about this episode is it's really about owning your story. And what I mean by that is, is Dennis has this insane background story of coming out of the military and everything looking like it was on track. And then this major event happened and it changed the whole trajectory of his career and it led to him, you know, getting into the leadership coaching that he's doing now. But he wasn't really comfortable leaning into his story and sharing certain elements of his story and sharing certain elements of his military background. And what he found is that when he started to open up about that, that's actually the thing that resonated the most with people. And it was bringing the right people. And it actually led him to looking into doing more leadership and transition coaching for veterans coming out of of the military and coming into the workforce. And the point of all this and where it relates to all the rest of us is that we all have something in our story and you know whether it's me like the you know the musician background where i felt like it didn't you know there were certain things that were cool about it but there are also certain things that i didn't want to talk about because i didn't feel like it went as well as i wanted it to and so from for the first you know, several years uh, of being in business i didn't really talk about that part of my life at all but it turns out that more people like asked me about it and i opened up about it that actually turned out to be one of the more interesting things that I could talk about and, it, and people were able to relate to that because yes, there was success, but there was also failure and, and turnaround and all this stuff and people relate to those types of journeys. And so if you are still zeroing in on who your right people are and you're dealing with kind of your own issues with your background and your story and figuring out how does that relate and, and what am I going to say that attracts the right people? This is a really good episode to listen to because I think it'll help you realize maybe there's some things in your own story that people would probably really resonate with that you're not sharing. And it might be time to dive into those elements. So I'm really excited for you to listen. Let's jump into the conversation. This is Dennis Volpe, author of Transition on Purpose. Dennis, officially welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to have, have our conversation today. I know, me too. Ever since we originally connected, it's been uh, about a month ago since our conversation. I think it was supposed to be a 15-minute quick chat. We ended up on the phone for over a half hour or something like that. So yeah. uh, I've been looking forward to the conversations and just the the story that you told me, and you only gave me kind of the 
broad brushstrokes, but you have an insane backstory, which then feeds into what you're doing with the coaching and stuff. But so I'm curious, um, obviously you can't give people too much of an overview when you hit them right away. So when, when you meet somebody at a networking event or whatever, uh, what do you tell people that you do? Uh, I, I let them know that uh, I'm in the uh, performance and transition coaching space. And uh, very often I, I get the question, well, what, what is transition coaching? What is performance coaching? And, uh, you know, coaching in general, regardless of whether or not, whether it's on the playing field, uh, in the boardroom, or just life, it's about unlocking human performance. And uh, what does that look like? Well, it's understanding your, your potential and then removing those obstacles whether it's those obstacles are internal or external. Mm -hmm. And uh, from, from a transition point of view, it's taking individuals or teams, for that matter, from uncertainty and skepticism and get them to exploration, commitment, and ultimately action. Mm. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a, a coach the other day, and he was talking about just his process for getting individuals and teams to to agree to a course of action. He calls it enrollment. And I think you broke it down into exploration and commitment, right? Right. Which I think is a really, really good way to uh, to put that because at the end of the day, there is skepticism, there is uncertainty. And that's one of the biggest things you have to overcome as any kind of performance coach is they can they can say all the one all that they have big goals that they have big action plans and they have all this stuff but once you especially with a team dynamic you've got to figure out where's that skepticism coming from who's not completely enrolled who's not completely on board and uh it's it's not an easy thing and even for the leader like that's why they seek out people like you is because it's it, we have a blind spot we don't always see who the people are on our teams and we don't always spot the things within ourselves where we're not fully committed and, that, and that's why awareness in terms of self-awareness, social awareness, and situational awareness mm -hmm. is the starting point for everything. Yeah. How much of that, like your approach to coaching, you know, human performance, how much of that comes from like your background on the playing field versus the things that you learned in the military? I'm sure each of them played their part, but like when you, when you give analogies, do you tend to give military analogies or sports analogies? Uh, like which one do you tend to kind of lean on the most? Uh, I actually, good, better, and different, man. I, I lean on both yeah. uh, because I, I really believe that life is a team sport and the military or military life is a team sport. So it's really easy to either utilize sports or military examples. Uh, and, and now that I've been in the coaching space for, for the past four years, I also have coaching examples in, in the corporate space or just in, in the life space that, that you know, illuminate things as well. And where do you feel like just in the last four years, the the most favorite clients and especially the ones that you felt like got really, really good results from your work together. Where did those come from? Where did like, how did they come into your world? Were you introduced? Was it from speaking engagements, networking? Like where did those people come into your life? A lot of them came in from networking and my network. And, um, like being introduced by people that kind of know who you are and knew the space that you had gotten into and said like, Hey, you should talk to John Smith. Uh, I think you right. can help him that like those sorts of just behind the scenes, personal relationship stuff. And then because you as a coach or me as a coach, you know, you're kind of vetted already. 
Mm-hmm. And then that person is also vetted because if they're coming from somebody in your network, you share the same values and perspective as a lot of people in your network. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ideal clients for me are the ones that are action oriented. Yeah. Uh, Cause when you look at it, coaching doesn't, we can talk about awareness. We can talk about enrollment. We can talk about commitment, but if there's no action, Mm-hmm. and there's no performance. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's very true. That's, <laughs> something's got to be in motion to track it. Um, that's right. What are some of the, uh, you know, that that first initial phone call with somebody where you're kind of feeling them out to see if they might be a good client and, and you know you're looking for somebody that's action-oriented. What are some of the things that you ask or maybe some of those verbal cues that you listen to to, to see and help you determine is this an action-oriented person? What are you looking for on that first phone call? Well, the, the first phone call I really like to explore why they want to coach and, and what they're looking for and then explore their reality in terms of what's going on and listening to one of the big cues is, well, is, is life happening to me or is life happening for me? Mm. And it's about mindset. You know, is, is there a growth mindset or is there a fixed mindset? Mm-hmm. And that growth mindset normally lends itself to an action orientation. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Which which do you think predominates in in the military? Did you run into predominantly one or the other, like a fixed versus a growth mindset, as you were kind of progressing through your career? Um, I don't think you, Matt. I don't think you can generalize on that one. Uh, I think uh, I've, I've seen I've seen both uh, definitely yeah. across the spectrum, and uh, I'm sure if I think about my mindset, sometimes it was fixed, sometimes it was growth. It would depend on the the situation and how that was impacting me. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because it's uh, it, like I I don't have really much experience with the military. Nobody in my family. Um, well, that's not true. Nobody in my family younger than grandparents uh, were, were in the military. So I didn't have a lot of personal direct experience with it. And uh, like, for example, the, on the field of entrepreneurship lends itself to people with growth mindsets, like entrepreneurship naturally rewards people with a growth mindset, right? People that are action oriented, people that are performance oriented, just the natural part of entrepreneurship tends to reward those people. Uh, so it's always interesting just to see kind of what other spaces there are, because I'm used to swimming in the world where those people automatically rise to the top. But then you've got different hierarchical structures where that's not true because there's other yeah. factors at play. So anyway, that's why I asked that question. But I want to get into uh, your story because I want to talk about kind of what the, some of the things that, that took place in the military career for you that set you up for the phase that you're at now and then how you've positioned yourself marketing wise to kind of attract ideal clients. So we can start wherever you want to start, but I know where we want to end up, which is the big, the big story that's starting to resonate with people right now, because this is what was a big surprise to you. Um, So let's start, let's, let's set the scene, uh, kind of give folks an idea of what you were doing, let's say 10 years uh, ago. Sure. Uh, I was a career Naval officer, a career surface warfare officer, which, which really meant or really means I spent a lot of time at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I assigned to ships, started on uh, destroyers, and then uh, went to a guided missile cruiser, um, and then ultimately had command of a uh, guided missile frigate. Um, during my career, I had the opportunity to go back 
to the Naval Academy as a uh, leadership development instructor. Hmm. Uh, so I had the opportunity to get an advanced degree in leadership and, um, and then had the opportunity to work with the Army and uh, went to Afghanistan for a year. Uh, learned that I really liked the Navy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but uh, having the opportunity to not only work with the Army, but also with the Marine Corps and our coalition partners was a really eye-opening experience. Uh, so throughout my career, I had the opportunity, Matt, to really work with some amazing people and uh, had some amazing mentors. And, uh, and then when I was in command, I know that uh, this was part of the story that you wanted to, to talk about. We, um, we were on a national tasking mission. And what that means is what you're doing has really big interest, not only in military circles, but also in civilian leadership circles. Yeah. And uh, for us, it was 2014. We were providing uh, maritime security for the 2014 Sochi Winter Olympics. Mm -hmm. So we were off the coast of uh, Sochi, Russia. And uh, I like to say we were close enough that we, we could see the Olympic torch in the foreground of the Sochi Mountains. So obviously uh, Russia was interested in our presence. And uh, since they were interested in our presence, obviously our leadership was interested in it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and everything was, was going really, really well, just like my career up to that point. Mm -hmm. uh, I had, you know, great opportunities, um, accolades and everything else. And, and really to be considered for command in the Navy, mm -hmm. uh, that's a, a pretty select group of folks in and of itself. Yeah. And, uh, and then it was time to check off station to do what we call get, uh, get gas and groceries. So we had to sail across the, uh, the Black Sea into, uh, into a port. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we call those brief stops for fuel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a conversation with somebody the other day that said, well, it sounds like your, your BSF, your brief, brief stop for fuel, really became a BFD. And uh, I said, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, and we had a mishap and um, ended up being non-mission capable. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you think about that from a professional perspective and even a personal perspective, you went from being uh, you know, on top of the world, really, because what you were doing really, really mattered and it was, it was having impact and it was really being briefed, by, briefed to uh, some really important people. Mm -hmm. And then in a matter of a day, you were non-mission capable, you were broke, and you really couldn't do anything. So you went from the highest high to the lowest low, personally and professionally. Yeah. And what did that allow me to do? Well, it, it allowed me to, to see a world that I had never seen before. Um, because I knew what it meant to be successful. I knew what it felt like to be successful. I knew what it was required to be a success. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, you know, whether you played sports your whole life, you lost games and you lost all that stuff, but you really lost. Mm -hmm. Not only did, did you lose that mission, if you will, but you actually lost part of yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what allowed me to 
move into where I am now. And that's why I focus on emotional intelligence in terms of self-awareness and self-management and why I focus on resilience Mm -hmm. and really look at resilience as our ability to not only bounce back, but to bounce forward from where we were to where we want to go and uh, transition. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of folks talk about change and transition like they're really one thing. And I don't think they are. Change is external. Change is situational. Change is what happens to you. Transition is internal. Transition is a process. Transition is, this is what happened and this is what I'm gonna do about it. Mm -hmm. So, you find yourself non-mission capable Walk me through a little bit of just the, the resilience part of that and and how do you how do you come back from something like that and rebuild your confidence in yourself and and recognize that those changes around you don't have to define the rest of your life, that you get to choose kind of what your next steps are. What was that what was that part of it like? Just that that bouncing back, the bouncing forward process? Well, I think part of it is, I think there's four parts to it. (laughs) Uh, And one is a a mind part, Mm -hmm. really internalizing what matters uh, and what you want to prioritize going forward. Uh, And there's a body part of it, right? Because you need to do that physical stuff to give yourself that emotional and mental endurance that you need because now you're searching for not only who you are, but what you are and what you're going to be. And I think the biggest component is the tribe part. Who do you surround yourself with and how are they going to challenge you to be better? Mm-hmm. And, and then there's a purpose piece, a why piece. Well, what do you want to do and why do you want to do it? And um, for me, uh, what was really helpful was the sport of triathloning. Mm, I was going to see what you had in mind by the body part of it. That's interesting. Yeah, so you went yeah. full on. Yeah, it's something that basically forced your mind out of the spinning around the things that were going on and forced it like basically like bring it back and f- focus on the body itself. The body and the mind, mm-hmm. uh, really, because uh, in, in that multi-sport training environment, Matt, you spend a lot of time by yourself, unless, of course, you know, you're on a triathlon training team. Right. But um, that multi-sport training gives you time and space to think, <laughs> yes, to does. reflect, mm-hmm. to explore. Uh, and, and then the event itself is helpful and because it's got three events. You know, you've, got, you've got the swim, you've got the bike, you've got the run, and it's got two deliberate transitions mm-hmm. where you actually have to make a mindset shift. You literally have to turn the page and you can't think about the past. You actually have to be present in the present and mm-hmm. thinking about what matters now and what you're going to get after next. Hmm. So... Taking, taking a step back just to kind of flash forward to where you are and working with clients now, what are some of the things that you recognize in the clients that you work with now, the hangups, the limitations that you kind of hearken back to what you went through and you recognize it in yourself back then 
And what are what are some of those things that you notice? Maybe limiting beliefs or or hangups is a good sticking points or obstacles just mentally and internally. What are some of those things that you recognize that oh I've dealt with that before? Yeah, I think one of them is you know is the story you're telling yourself true? Okay. You know what's the story that that you're playing or the story that you're reading to yourself? And are the words on that page accurate? And what assumptions are you making? Not only what assumptions are you making about yourself, but what assumptions are you making about other people? Mm-hmm. And the, the good example I have is, you know, I'm a Naval Academy graduate. And uh, I assumed all of my Naval Academy classmates knew what happened and had actually made decisions about me and, and my competence and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of them had no idea what happened. <laughs> okay. No idea. Right. And, you know, because it's at the end of the day, people get busy. People are focused on, on their careers, their life and everything else. And so the story I was telling myself was impacting my ability to trust my inner voice, to trust who I was and what I wanted to do. And that's the thing that really made me successful as a military officer. Mm-hmm. So I was questioning that big lever that was really a strength. And it took a while to figure it out. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I was reading um, one of my other podcast guests recommended it to me. So I went out and got it. It's called um, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. And it's about Marcus Aurelius. And he was talking about the like we add trouble to ourselves with the value judgments that we make. There's the thing that happened that's external. We want to see that as clearly as possible. And like you said, strip away the assumptions and all the extra pain that we add on to that external stuff by just our own internal judgments, our beliefs, our assumptions. And uh, that was really good because it, it is true. There's, there's an external thing that happened and stuff like that happens to people all the time. And you can either accept that it is what it is and move on, or you can add a whole ton of pain on top of that by adding a whole bunch of value judgments. And so it sounds like you're like working with clients and you're kind of helping remove those, question the assumptions, get them to take a step back and go, oh, that's, I hadn't thought about that. I assumed that was true. That's, maybe that's not actually true. Makes sense to me. No, and I actually had that very same conversation the other day with someone. Did you? Uh, and, and it was a very, you know, and that was the question, Matt. It was, well, what assumptions have you made? And they talked about their assumptions. And, you know, I was a military planner. And in military planning, assumptions allow you to keep planning. Right. But one of the things that you actually have to do is validate those assumptions. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I challenge my clients to do is you need to validate your assumptions, whether you're right or you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then move on from that. And, uh, yeah. and the reason I, yeah. I, I smiled and, and kind of chuckled when you talked about the book you read is because I'm actually reading it right now. Are you really? <laughs> I am. I am. So, That's awesome. Small world. I love it. It's a it's a fantastic yeah. book. I'm rereading it now um, as, as we speak. Uh, it's, it's super helpful. And, and his life was 
insane by comparison to the rest of ours. And so it makes me oh, absolutely. Know, like it puts your problems in, in perspective when you think about all the things that he encountered in his reign. But uh, let's transition to talk a little bit about uh, how you positioned yourself and how you've been marketing yourself, because that's had an interesting um, relationship to the way that you ended your military career. And sounds like you kind of ran away and you really didn't want to talk about what you used to do. And so you you were getting into coaching and doing some things like that and doing some things with leadership, but you didn't really talk about your background a ton. Um, and you weren't really talking about kind of how like that that transition went. So what what broke that open? What what made you change your mind about that? I I, I had a friend challenge me, really. And um probably with a lot of the same questions I challenged my clients with. <laughs> and, um, and they made me realize that I was going into these engagements without my whole self. Mm. And um, that was actually impacting my effectiveness. So understanding, really understanding who I was and um, how my experiences have shaped me and provided me with experienced perspective that I could give to my clients. Mm -hmm. And so I had a friend challenge me and then I actually worked with a coach myself. Yeah. Good. And um, they opened my eyes to things that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, it was an amazing experience for me. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because that's the tough thing about working with, coaches, consultants, anyone that makes a living off of the content that's in their head and their heart, there's just, there's so much more of an identity issue wrapped up in it than, than it is with working with a company, right? You know, when you're the, right. the, when you are the CEO of a company and you're deciding how to market yourself, you're deciding how to position a company. You know, when FedEx decides like, hey, we're going to lean into this whole overnight package thing, you know, it's not like that hits at the identity of the of the CEO and the leadership team. It's like this is a tactical decision because we think this messaging will resonate and, and grow the company. But they don't go home at night going, do I do I really want to be known as the overnight package guy? You know, like it's just, it's different with dealing with companies. And I think there's there's so much that we have to overcome and, and deal with internally and in, in terms of how we market ourselves when we are the product, you know, um, because you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're putting your story out there. You have to decide, do I want to hang my identity around this? Even if it resonates with people, you know, do I want to, do I want to talk about resilience? Do I want to talk about transitioning? Would I rather just go coach CEOs on performance? Like you had a lot of options kind of getting into the coaching game, but like you've said, you know, we were talking about when we first talked, it's your story that actually resonates. And that story, because it resonates, makes people want to work with you, which is interesting, right? Because it's the very thing you were running from and moving <laughs> away from. It turns out that's the thing that draws the ideal clients to you. So that to me, that's just an interesting development. Yeah. And I, you know, you raised one book, so I'll raise another, <laughs> you, know, you know, Ryan Holiday's book, mm -hmm. right? The obstacle is the way. Yeah. And uh, when I read that, I think it, absolutely opened up the aperture of you know what and then what is, what is his next book in this series right mm -hmm. ego is the enemy mm -hmm. and yeah. uh you know the biggest i was literally standing in my own way hmm. yeah the ego was the obstacle yeah hmm. 
So I was, yeah. you know, my ego was the enemy and I was the obstacle. Mm-hmm. And uh, to your point, I think that that's what allows me or enables me to help or support or equip my clients to be the best versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Because I've been there. I know what it means to get in your own way. I know what it means to not trust your inner voice. I know what it means to put obstacles in front of you just to see what happens. Instead of saying, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it. These are the people I need to go with me. Let's do it. Yeah. It's interesting because I was talking to somebody yesterday. Uh, He was an applicant uh, in the agency and, um, he he mentioned something that caught my ear it was that it was just it was kind of exposed a, a limiting belief about kind of the podcasting world and i said you know what's interesting is like it, in in the space that i'm at where you provide done for you services you realize really quickly that the tech and 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 the the things that need to be done are not actually the obstacle the obstacle is the internal stuff on the clients, but just the hangups, the hesitation, the identity issues, the, all this stuff that gets wrapped up in putting something out there that has their name on it. So the tech stuff, we take care of it. So I've done nothing for the last four or five years, but just take care of all the details for people. And right. you find out really quickly, it's not the details that are the problem. It's, it's all the head stuff that's the problem. Uh, and it reminded me of, um, I think David Goggins uh, was talking about how there was a long time where he wouldn't talk about his story. That story has made him famous. It was Absolutely. the very thing. Yeah. It's, it's the reason why he sold 300,000 copies or something like that of a self-published book. Can you imagine how much money he made on that book by yeah. not going traditionally published? And it's all because he was willing to come out and tell a story. So I think there's, yeah, there's, there's folks that, um, you know, we struggle with our, our identity. And I, I know I did when I first got into the business world after coming out of like my music career and I, my music career didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. And I, I came out of that feeling exactly the way you came out of your naval career going huge potential didn't, didn't hit it to my expectations, but everybody else, when I tell them my story now, they, they think they look back at it and go, Oh, you used to do that. That's awesome. And I'm like, what? How, why didn't I realize that five years ago? <laughs> like I could, have, I could have, I didn't have to hide anything where I came from. And it's just, it's very weird. It's, it's funny that the things that we think we can't talk about, the things that define some part of our identity are often the things that make us human to other people and make us more relatable and more compelling. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why when I decided I wanted to go into coaching, and oh, by the way, I didn't even know what coaching was. Uh, I <laughs> sat down at lunch with, with a really good friend who was in the space. And uh, she said, you need to be a coach. And I'm like, well, you know, when I was a leadership instructor at the Naval Academy, I coached rugby. Right? I was a certified USA rugby coach. I said, I love that. I'm like, what do you want me to coach? She's like, that's not what I'm talking about. And I'm like, oh. So, you know, I had to get schooled on what, what coaching was. And then um, I wanted to go to a program that made sense that would challenge me not only intellectually, but personally. And uh, that's why I just decided to go to the Columbia program. Mm-hmm. Um, going to a school like that, I knew that I would be challenged intellectually, but I also knew that there would be perspectives there that as a, as a career military officer, I probably wasn't open to or didn't see or didn't experience. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we hear very often, well, you need to operate outside of your comfort zone to grow. Well, I can tell you that that experience was absolutely, absolutely helped me grow. So, uh, <laughs> Good. Uh, and, I, and there's a, there's a nugget there, just a, a quick lesson that I'll point out. And I don't think most of the people in my audience has this issue, but they probably know people that are lower down in the, in the ranks that do, which is like, if you're going to sell coaching, you better be willing to have a coach. If you yeah. haven't bought, if you haven't paid big money for a coach, then you don't then you're saying you're trying to sell your services for really good money, but you haven't done that and you haven't made that leap yourself, man, it's going to be difficult to sell it because you've got to understand what it's like to be in the prospect's shoes, staring down the barrel of stroking that check going, I need to get five or 10 X ROI off this thing, or this is not worth my time and money. Uh, so it just, it's, it's a good, it's a good lesson to, uh, to put yourself out there and, and get coached if you're going to be a coach. But um, I wanted to transition a little bit just to finish out talking about your book, because this is the book that's really going to make the statement of where you are, like how you're marketing yourself, how you're positioning yourself, you know, the types of clients that you want to attract. So tell us a little bit about the book. And, uh, and I know it's coming up. It's not quite out yet, but it might be coming out right when this podcast is about to hit. So let's talk about just the, the, uh, the purpose of the book. Well, the purpose of the book, uh, probably was initially was to get people off my back. And, and you know, always the best reason to write a book. Yeah. Stop asking me that stuff. Stop asking me when I'm going to write a book, right? Stop. <laughs> I like to say, stop shooting on me. Um, <laughs> shooting on you. Uh, you should write a book. You should do this. So, um, so that was the initial thing. And then yeah. when I actually started doing it, it was actually therapeutic for me. Mm. Uh, but, you know, what's the story? Well, it's a personal story that you've heard some of it. Um, but then understanding what it took to really figure out who I was, where I wanted to go and why I wanted to go there. Um, so that's kind of the first half of it. And then the the second half of the book actually leverages the Columbia coaching framework to provide a transition coaching methodology for coaches, for people to use, to think about transition differently. Mm. And it, it allows you to think, allows you to behave, and really allows you to do life differently. Uh, and, and that's the purpose of the book, is to say, okay, change happens. Change is inevitable. Transition is a choice. Mm. And that's why I named it Transition on Purpose because you're actually choosing to transition in a way that you want that's aligned with your why. It's aligned with your values. It's aligned with your priorities. Mm -hmm. And you identify those things that you're willing to do, but also identifying those things that you won't do. Mm -hmm. And then who you're going to do it with and why. And, And the big thing is, you know, and for a Navy guy, I, I struggle when I have to quote it, but, you know, I think about two Army leaders. I think about, you know, General Eisenhower and his quote around plans are useless. Planning is essential. And that's the key component. Thinking about who you are, thinking about what matters to you and thinking about what you want to do about it and having those ideas 
So that way, when things happen, you know what's important and you can make informed, deliberate decisions about it. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Life is going to throw stuff at you. Yeah. And if you can make informed decisions, then you're going to do what you want to do. Uh, and then the other part is, you know, general patent, right? A perfect, you know, an imperfect plan violently executed today <laughs> mm-hmm. is far better than a perfect plan never initiated going mm-hmm. back to that action piece. Yeah. Cause things are going to change, but if you're actually moving in a positive direction, you're going to be able to get to where you want to go faster and easier than if you at all stop. And then this is why I love the, the structure of a book like that, especially for you at this stage, is you, you have this incredible story. So you want to make sure that the book conveys that because the ideal clients you're looking for are going to resonate with that. You already know that and you're starting to see that. But then finishing off with some of the like intellectual property that makes you different as a coach also helps position you. So it's not just an inspiring story and they walk away going that Dennis is an awesome guy. You go, no, this is, you give them a, a piece at the end where you like concretely give them a framework for how you can help them and it uncovers the need for coaching. So I like that. I like that structure of the book that as far as, you know, creating demand for your coaching. Uh, I think the one thing that I did with my book is I didn't put much of my personal story in there for some of the reasons that we've talked about, I focused it more on my audience and more about their wants and their needs. And that's all fine. Um, I do talk in, when I, when I speak about the book on podcasts, I do share the story that led up to the initial insights, but I don't share a lot of my background necessarily. And what's funny is I've experienced a little bit of the same thing you have, not quite to the same extent, but just when we do talk about things that are unique and different about our background, sometimes those are the things that really connect and then it opens people's minds up to the topic that you actually do want to share on. Whereas if they don't know those things about you and they don't understand the perspective that you're coming from, you can say the same things. You can talk about the content, you can talk about coaching and transition and stuff, but they don't really know where you're coming from. They don't get a sense of your humanity. They don't really know if you can empathize with what they're going through. And you want to work with people that are in it, you know, like they are, their resilience is being tested. And if you haven't really been through the fire, they don't want to just hire some coach that has good intentions and good content. They want to know that they're hiring someone that's been through it and, and you've been through it. So yeah, I think that, uh, I think that book is going to do really, really awesome for you. Uh, where can people go to kind of stay up to date with you? And, and eventually when the book comes out, where, where can they get it? So to stay up with me, uh, I, I would say, Matt, the best place is on LinkedIn. Would yeah. love to folks to follow me there. And uh, the book will be, Ideally coming out next month and, um, you know, I've got a website that, that, that will, uh, you know, have a link to it, but it, it, which is transitiononpurpose.com. Nice. Love it. All right. So one final question for you. Um, are you going to get into any sports coaching over the next few years? You're going to go back to that and, uh, get, get into that again. It's, it's actually something that, um, I had a conversation, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, uh, but there's a program that's uh, specifically designed, uh, it's called Soldiers to Sidelines, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's specifically designed to take military veterans and get them to be certified coaches. Really? And um, 
the sport that they're looking at uh, bringing online to do that is rugby. Uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to that opportunity. Uh, and it literally just had the conversation with, uh, with the uh, Soldiers to Sign Lines organization just uh, a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Yeah, that sounds like it's right up your alley. Yeah. I love it. All right, cool. Well, everybody, go make sure to go to transitiononpurpose.com. Dennis, this is fantastic. I really appreciate you opening up and sharing. I know that this is uh, something that will help a lot of other coaches and consultants that have similar issues with their background. Just anyone that, you know, struggles with the connection between their identity and how they market and position themselves. So hopefully this has freed up a lot of people to kind of bring their whole self into their business. So I really appreciate that. Well, thanks, Matt. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.